0: ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه
1: ونعوذ بالله من شر أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف الغمة وتركنا
0: على المحجة البيضاء اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا و حبيبنا
1: وقدوتنا محمد ابن عبد الله على اله وصحبه اجمعين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وان تنظر نفس ما قدمت لغد واتقوا الله ان الله خبير بما تعملون in the name of
0: Allah the beneficent the compassionate the merciful i bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth and i bear witness that prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa is his final messenger your brothers, dear sisters. Allah subhanahu wa taala says in His beautiful words in Surah Yusuf, "Bada billahi al-shaytan rajim
1: Bismillahi r rahim Inna
0: In these beautiful words recited to us in Surah Yusuf, we find a beautiful portrait of a relationship. This is a beloved Surah to all of us, in which we find infinite wisdom, that we can spend the ages trying to learn from. And it can do nothing but make us progress and grow as human beings, become better. Within these verses, we find Allah Azza wa Jal telling us a beautiful story, of a beautiful encounter, of a beautiful interaction between a father and a child. Ya'qub alayhi salam, a prophet of Allah and his child Yusuf. And within it, Allah narrates to us what happens in this beautiful interaction. He says that there came a time when Yusuf went to his father and said, Oh my father, ya abati, I've seen eleven stars and the sun and the moon prostrating to me. Ibrahim, excuse me, Yaqub answers back, and Allah tells us, Oh my son, oh my dear son, don't share this vision with your siblings, lest that they go scheme against you, and plot against you, to hurt you. Indeed, the shaitan is the manifest enemy. But Allah Azza wa is going to choose you. And is going to bless you, and complete his blessings on you, And upon your family, Al Ya'qub, the entire progeny, the family of Ya'qub, exactly like he perfected his blessings and bounty and gifts, upon your fathers before you, Ibrahim, and my father, Ishaq. Indeed, Allah is most infinite in knowledge, all-knowing. Today, brothers and sisters, I want to focus on this beautiful portrait, this interaction. This interaction is a culmination of a journey, of a relationship. It's not just a passing episode or a passing interaction. Allah tells us this is a beautiful story. The best of stories. Pay attention. And listen attentively to what happens between a father and a child when the father invests in that child. Within this, we find the young Yusuf, a young child. And I want you to, to compare this to your own scenario, your own interactions with your children. Because the theme of today's khutbah is, have we done our part as fathers and mothers? And what are the fruits? What are the signs that we've done our part with our children? This short passage is an illustration of an investment that a parent made into his child's life. Because this child came to his father. He was disturbed. He saw something he couldn't explain. Some commentators, some scholars say that actually Yusuf understood this dream. He, he sees this, he sees this vision... And in the vision, he sees the 11 star, eleven planets, excuse me, and the sun and the moon prostrating to him. And interestingly enough, in the Arabic language, he refers to the planets and to the sun and the moon. Not as it, as them instead. As if he understood they're human beings. Maybe he understood it's going to be his siblings and his parents prostrating to him. Nonetheless, like a young child, anxious and eager to share with their parents, I saw something. I saw something and he's repeating it. I don't want you to just think of just an incredibly mature, wise man coming to Yaqub. No, this is a young child, eager to share something with his father, about something he saw that he couldn't understand. And he says, oh dad, ya abati. And ya abati is a beautiful word in Arabic, it's not abba or baba. Abati is an endearing term. It's like saying, hey, beloved dad. Nobody says this nowadays, right? Do we say that? Oh, dear baba? Oh, dear mama? We don't say that. But he did say that. That instantly tells you the type of relationship that Yaqub had with Yusuf, and Yusuf had with Yaqub, that he would address his father, oh, dear father. Ya abati is the most endearing of expressions you can address your parent with. I've seen something. I've seen these, this thing happen in my dream, And he's wondering. I want to ask you the first question. What child would go to their father or mother at the age of 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 to share a concern, a problem that happened with them, understanding that this father or this mother is not going to rebuke them, insult them, or say, I don't have time for you. I want you to think of your child coming to you when you're on your phone. Or when I'm on my phone and saying to them, I don't have time, go to your mom, right? We dads do this very well. Or saying, uh-huh, 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 right? Don't you see what I'm doing? Come to me tomorrow, make an appointment. Right? We do this repeatedly. What we're not understanding is that we're breaking any level of trust between us and that child. That this child is not feeling safe enough, or or trusted enough to be able to come and share their concerns and their problems. This father, Yaqub, must have invested his entire life as a father. And the mother did the same. To ensure that their children trusted them. And that they made time for them. And that they made them feel so valued, precious, and dear, that I'm going to put away everything right now. Oh, child, will you come and talk to me? Otherwise, Yusuf would not have come to his father to say, Oh, dad, I saw something. Because he understood his father is going to give him his full attention. And he's going to listen attentively with his full presence, his full heart, and his full mind, because that child matters. Oh, Abeti, oh my dear father, I saw this. And he stops. How does the father answer him back again? Does he send him away? Does he dismiss him? Does he say, what kind of rubbish is this? Dreams and funny stuff, right? Again, none of this now. Or he might have thought to himself, this child is too young to understand. You know, Baba, I will talk to you in ten years. You're not mature enough. You're not wise enough, right? None of, this, no, none of these questions now. Send them away. How often do our children have questions? They're wondering, they're curious. And they ask us uncomfortable questions. And we think to ourselves, they're not ready. They're not ready. So instead of figuring out a way to communicate that thing to them, the lesson, the insight, in a respectful fashion to them, in a manner that is understandable to them, making them feel that they can ask those questions, what do we do? We send them away. Because it's not their time. They're not mature or wise enough. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more dangerous we can do to a child. Because that will break the trust and the bond with them. There is nothing more beautiful, more constructive for the child's well-being than to build the relationship of a strong bond with them. That they feel comfortable and safe to come to you. Nurtured. And indeed, Yaqub built that nurturing relationship. And he reaped the fruit with the child coming to him at a time that mattered. This dream is going to have serious consequences there's going to be a serious event happening in the life of this child if he's not guided enough right now. So what does the father do? He doesn't send him away. He says, "Qala ya bunaya. Oh, my beloved child. He reciprocates the love and the affection. You call me with this endearing expression, term, he did the same. And that tells you automatically that Yaqub must have always been talking to his children that way. Oh, بُنَيَّ Oh, بُنَيَّ Not, hey. Right? Not something you know, calling them with labels and words that will hurt them and insult them. At all. Ya Bunaya is the most endearing of terms that you can call your child with. It's equivalent to, Oh dear child, Oh beloved child. Can you imagine the child how they feel? Can you imagine how, how respected and valued and worthy Yusuf must have felt whenever his father spoke to him like that and gave him the attention that he deserved as a child? who thinks there is something important happening with me. I need a heart, an ear to listen to, and I want to tell you something. Young children, the center of their life is the parents. This is the center of their life. They crave your attention. Because their whole world revolves around you. They don't know anything else. This is critical to their development. So if they're not going to find your attention, where are they going to find it? And if they don't receive this affection and respect they're not going to be able to find it anywhere else because you're the center of their world. Now, often do I hear parents coming and saying, well, my child is not listening anymore. They don't come to me with their problems. You see, by the time they become middle schoolers or high schoolers, you go to your child and you say, tell me what happened today in school. And they said, I don't know, I forgot. My child is already telling me this, right? I'm like, what do you mean you forgot? Who did you talk to today, people? People? What did you learn today? Things. Can you tell me more details? I don't know. I forgot. It was good. What was good? I don't know. Brothers and sisters, this is not a joke. We crave their attention later. They're craving our attention earlier in their lives. We never gave them that attention. So they figured, you know what? You're not important to me. I can tell somebody else. That's what happens as they grow older and they shift the center of attention from the parent to their friends and other people who are willing to give them attention, even though they can be hurting them. Right? We never invested, so we reap the result, and we want a quick fix. How come my child is not talking to me now? How come they're not trusting me? How come they're not sharing? Well, once upon a time, we were busy with the phone. And if I only can tell you about the damages that happen because of, of, of digital devices that we're using nowadays, even cognitively, on the brain development of children. And we'll dedicate this to another khutbah, insha'Allah. Because there's incredible amount of research that speaks of the damage the digital devices have done to our children and to our relationships as parents and as family members. This is very serious, and we need to learn about it. So here's the father saying, Oh child, oh my beloved child, I want you to do something. He never dismissed the story. He said, I want you not to share this story, this vision with your siblings. But he never hides from him why. He never says, your siblings are awful, terrible human beings. He never says that. He never badmouths them. But he says they can scheme against you. They might plot against you. He's suggesting that they have a weakness. Now I want to ask you, how often do we hide truths from our children that can hurt them? Just yesterday, just yesterday a student came to me, a 19-year-old girl, And she's talking to me about a serious trauma. I'm not going to get into the details of it. At the age of eight, from a family member. You have no idea how much I see this. Close and far, family members seriously hurting the children. But the children never felt comfortable or confident enough to speak to the parent because the parent never had time. Or the parent rebuked and insulted them. They shouted at them, they blamed them even for being hurt. So, how can the child have confidence? To go share that Because they feel terrorized from the parents. You have no idea, brothers and sisters, how many young people come to me to tell me, I can't talk to my father or mother. I can't tell them anything. I'm going to be yelled at. So here's a child traumatized, assaulted at the age of eight. Assaulted. And she was never able to go to her parents. Now this is affecting her for the rest of her life. Psychologically and emotionally. Is that not a crime? Absolutely, it's a crime. It's an absolute crime. We are good intention. We want our children to grow grow up to be good. But we might be damaging them. Here's the father saying, don't, be careful, don't share this. Be wise. He's teaching him wisdom. I'm not going to hide from you the details, some of the uncomfortable details of the family. Who's saying this? A prophet. Brothers and sisters, these other siblings, the ten. There's another one good child, and ten happen to be not so good. Right? Not very upright yet. But who's their father? Prophet Yaqub. Can you imagine the type of rearing, nurturing that Yaqub must have given the other children? Did he just uh, raise Yusuf well? No, he's done it to everyone. But it turned out to be not that good. So it's not always that we're able to control how our children become and grow up to be. This is a clear illustration of it. But he warns his child, I don't want to be her. So don't share this with them. And he understands now, Yusuf, that my, my siblings might be jealous of me. But he never says they're jealous of you. They hate you. What does he say next? Look at this. If he said they're bad people, Yusuf will start hurt, hating his brothers. He says, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ insani mubin." It is the shaytan. It's not your brothers. Your brothers are well-intentioned, but that, they might be messing up, right? But they're good people in a way. But it's the shaytan who suggests and insinuates and brings us to do bad things to each other. Why is he doing this? So that the relationships can be recovered so that he doesn't give up on his brothers. And indeed, later in the story, we find Yusuf at the very end of the story doing what? Forgiving his brothers. If the father said, hate your brothers, they're horrible, awful, evil shaitans, this would have never happened. Imagine the wisdom that he is imparting to his child. But he never withholds the truth from him. Indeed, it is the shaitan who's sowing these div- seeds of division and hate between the two of you, but don't share this with them. He doesn't stop. Another critical thing. So he engages in a conversation that builds trust. He's paying attention to his child. He's showing him affection and love and respect. Who amongst us adults would talk to a child as if you're talking to an adult? And say, tell me, tell me more. I'm here for you. Oh my goodness, this happened with you? Oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is important. This hurt you? Oh my goodness, this is a very hurtful behavior. Acknowledging what they say to you. Very critical to their well-being and to their development. He doesn't stop there. He wants to now lift the soul and the spirit of his child. One of the critical areas of development, ensuring that we build the self-esteem and the sense of self-worth of our children. I want to ask you, how will our children face the challenges of this world? The complexities of this world? The hurtful people out there? The challenges, the enormous, enormous challenges, the risks the dangers if they don't have the confidence and the strength to even talk to you as a parent and if you're not encouraging them and making them believe in themselves once again brothers and sisters you have no idea how many young people lack confidence in themselves one of the most prevalent issues that I see as a counselor as a mentor of young children young people through college is lack of self-esteem lack of belief in themselves You know where it started? At home. When you're being yelled at as a child. When there's nothing good enough that you can do. Wherever you go to your parent and you have a a B, and they tell you, next time it's going to be an A, right? Right? Because it's never good enough. When you're being called stupid, ugly, fat, thin, whatever it is that we label our children with, when you start comparing them to other siblings, and other friends, and other, other, whoever it is that you're thinking about, as the angel... What is that doing to the child? Shattering their sense of self worth. They mean nothing. They feel unworthy. And if they're not believing in themselves, how are they going to be able to conquer anything in their world and achieve? We want them to achieve, but we're doing the very opposite of what is supposed to bring them up to become good people, successful people, strong people, confident people. So, what does Yaqub do, do next? What an incredible psychological intervention! Here it is laid out to us in the Quran. Listen child, listen dear child, Allah is going to choose you. He knew the gifts of his child. Now I want to ask you how, did you, how did Ya'qub discover and discern the special gifts of his child? You have no idea how gifted our children are. We have no idea. Every child is gifted. They're latent capacities and strengths and, and, and God-given gifts. When you spend time with them, when they talk to you, you're going to find out. But when we shut them up and we don't have time for them, we'll never find out what's good in them. And we're going to put them in a mold, we want them to be like us or something better. But we're forcing this rigid structure on them, right? Without understanding their strengths, this father is so intelligent, so perceptive. He spent the time with his child, he engaged him in stories, in conversations, and he picked out what's good about him. And he understood the prophecies in the dream, and he said, Allah is going to choose you. Imagine that the child hears, you're going to be good. I believe in you. You better stop believing in yourself. I see great things in your future. So the father tells the child, I see great things in your future. I see them. Here they are. Allah is going to take care of you. Wow. Ensuring that he has this trust with Allah, Allah will always be there for you. He's gonna take care of you. Imagine the hope he builds in him and the strength to understand Allah got my back. And Allah is gonna complete my His favors on me. And you come from a great legacy, you're not horrible human being, you're an amazing human being. And your fathers before you were great, and you're gonna walk in their line, in their footsteps, and Allah is gonna complete His favor on you, just as He completed it upon your father. And your father's fathers. Remember your grandfather was Ibrahim. Who speaks like this to our children? Right? Giving them that encouragement, that lift. Giving them the time and the encouragement. Building their sense of self-worth and self-esteem day in and day out. Not occasionally. Not when we feel like it. Not when we have time. We'll never have time. It's about making time for them, brothers and sisters. And there's nothing more beautiful as a gift that you can give your child. No greater investment than to do this. What happens with Yusuf at the end of the story? Yusuf, we understand, ends up being hurt by his siblings. And they scheme and they plot because of their weakness. But at the very end, after Yusuf becomes a slave and, 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 and ends up in a prison for ten years, he comes out victorious. And he's so strong and confident, he asks the king, hire me as the minister of finance. I'll take care of things. Imagine the level of confidence and the king appoints him as to this high office, the one in charge of the economics of the country, the finances of the country. Yusuf ends up saving a nation. An investment of a father and a mother and a child, because they believed in them, and they made them believe in themselves, ends up producing a child that inspires a whole region, saves a whole region. Maybe our children will not turn out to be like that. It doesn't matter, we got to make our effort. But Allah shows us that the father and that mother had Yusuf, but also had ten other children that were not so good. Right? They eventually repented, but they didn't turn out to be Yusuf. So it's like one out of twelve. There's another child that went, you know, did well. At the end of the day, brothers and sisters, we don't control the guidance of our children. It's Allah. What Allah asks us to do is to do our best. What they become is in the hands of Allah. Imagine the heart of Yaqub as he sees ten children of his. Imagine what's what's dearer than a child hurting the, the other one and attempting to kill him. For those of us who are frustrated with our children, who are maybe questioning ourselves, or oh, what did I, do? where did I go wrong with my children, right? Because they're not turning out to be as good as I wanted them to be. Well, think of the siblings of Yusuf. A. And this is a prophet of Allah. Imagine what kind of a nurture He gave to His children. Yet they turned out the way they turned out to be. Yusuf ibn Yamin ended up on a different path. Such is life. Such is the test of Allah. We ask Allah to empower us to be the best of parents to our children and to guide and protect our children. dear brothers and sisters there's nothing that scares me more than children being hurt and facing traumas and severe events in their lives that really harm not only their well-being but also harm them physically while the parents are completely oblivious to what's going on and what a sad tragic thing that a child can go imagine how fragile a child is seven, eight, nine-year-old child that doesn't know much in this world. All they know is their parents. But these parents are not there. They're not present. Or they're very difficult and harsh. Right? They're not present with love and affection for the child, which is the most critical thing they need to feel that they belong, that they have this unconditional love and care from the parents no matter what they've done or have done or didn't do. It doesn't matter. They're going to accept me and love me. And encourage me and take care of me, they got my back. I assure you, brothers and sisters, your children will come to you when difficult things happen in their lives. I'm scared of how often children grow up, brothers and sisters, and face severe traumas. And it might be going on for years, and they're afraid and terrified of telling their parents or family members. And it might be the family member who's hurting them. It might be the cousin, it might be the grandparent, it might be a distant relative. You have no idea how, how often it happens in our communities. I hear about them all the time. I hear about the parents that are not willing to give respect to the child. And they make decisions for them. Everything including marriage. The child has no say. Because they are not capable of thinking according to the parents. You know, Prophet Muhammad not only played with children, but treated them like adults. As if you're talking to an adult. He would engage them in conversations where he would deem what is important to them as very important to him. It is narrated by Anas ibn Malik who said that he had a, a brother and his name is Abu Umair. And he said the Prophet ﷺ used to call my little brother. And he says, Ya Abu Umair, imagine you're finding a child in the street and he knew everybody. He knew the children, he knew their stories, he knew what they liked and dislike. He says, Oh Abu Umair, what happened with Anmugayr? So this child, the, the sibling of Anas, loved this bird. He had this bird, it's called Nugair. Imagine the Prophet knew about Nugair. So he would check up on, on Abu Umayr and he'd say, Hey, what's going on with Nugair? Tell me what happened with your bird. To the point where one day the bird dies and the child came crying to the Prophet. And when did the Prophet وسلم, say? Laugh at him? Oh, it's just a bird. Come on, get over this, right? He was, brothers and sisters, expressing grief in front of the child. Took him to bury the bird with him. Who amongst us would do this? In another beautiful story, a companion by the name of Sahal Ibn Sa'd, he says, the Prophet ﷺ, was sitting in front of my eyes with adults, and the adults were to his left, and there's this young child to his, to his right. He never first of all told the child, go sit out you know, in a different places for adults, right? Later, come, right? Absolutely not. Treats the child as, just as he treats the adults. The Prophet was drinking a drink. And he wants the generous soul that he is to share. But he thought to himself, I, better sh- I should share with the adults before the child. But what does he do? Does he start with the, with the adults? What about the child? How will they feel? They're not going to feel respected. They're not going to feel important if they're going to be dismissed. He turns to the child in front of the adults and says, Would you give me permission to give the drink to them before you? You know what the child says? Nope. I'm not giving up my share from you to anyone. Start with me. And he started with him. Who amongst us would seek a permission of a child in front of your guests? Imagine what kind of a feeling you'll impart to them. Imagine the strength and the confidence and the sense of self worth. How many of us would yell at our children in front of others? How many of us will blame them in front of others? Shatter their sense of self-worth and their confidence? How many of us will point out the weaknesses of our children in front of relatives and friends? In front of our children, poor children. They're hearing constantly stories about how bad they are, how awful they are, how unachieving they are. They're never good enough. And they're constantly being compared to others. We're destroying our children. And we're not equipping them with what they need to face this world. And to be mature and wise and strong emotionally, we'll get End up like Yusuf, brothers and sisters, there's no one like Yusuf, he's a prophet of Allah. We pray that our children become righteous and good. But they may not turn out I emphasize the way we want them to be. And I'm going to conclude with this. We're parents, we're human beings, we're going to make mistakes. We're not perfect. So give yourself permission to be human. But understand the power of Allah to allow us to heal. And put the pieces together. No matter what we have done or haven't done with our children, it's never too late. Turn to Allah Azza wa Ask Allah Azza to allow you to be humble enough to perhaps go back to the child and apologize and say, you know what, remember that conversation we had? I feel bad about it. I should have thought differently. I should have spoken to you differently. You deserve better. How can I be a better father, mother to you? How many of us would talk to the child like this? Can you tell me, suggest to me things I can improve with you? Right? I, I messed up. But Allah, if the child sees you being so humble... So respectful. You'll see these children turning around. But believe in Allah who can guide the hearts. Maybe our children will end up like the siblings of Yusuf. Right? It's in the hands of Allah. So don't be also too harsh on yourself. We can do what we can as human beings, but trust in Allah azza wa jal. Brothers and sisters, pay attention to your words, to your presence, to your gestures with your children. Imagine if you say to yourself, I'm going to be the best father and mother that I can be for my children. There's no better investment. I'm going to speak words of faith to them. I'm going to speak words of encouragement to them. Words of affirmation. I'm going to make them believe in themselves, encourage them no matter how much they mess up. Be that embracing father or mother, such that my children can come to me when they're in trouble, and not go to a stranger, who might hurt them further. But I'm going to put my trust in Allah and make dua for them. Because they're in the hands of Allah. Am I might do everything right, according to me, and they'll end up well, they'll end up, but it's okay. They're in the hands of Allah. And Allah more cares more for them than any father or mother. Enough for us to know that they're in the hands of Allah Azza wa We want our children to become the best, to become righteous, to become strong brothers and sisters. Let us wake up today before tomorrow. Our children are hurting. They're being damaged. This world is so scary. What happens to them is so scary. And they're being subjected to so many pressures. The one place we cannot afford to lose is that refuge at home where they can feel safe and it's our job as parents to provide this it's a responsibility and it's a trust in Allah from Allah Azza wa to all of us let us turn our hands to Allah Azza wa Jal Oh Allah You are the most compassionate You are the most merciful we ask for your mercy Ya Allah have mercy on us Ya Allah have mercy on our children Ya Allah protect our children from all harm Ya Allah Guide them to the straight path, ya Allah, such that they become like Yusuf, alayhi salam, ya Allah. Fill their hearts with love for you and love for Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O Allah, make them worship you in a manner that pleases you, ya Allah. Ya Allah, make them among the righteous. Make them the leaders of the righteous, ya Allah. Ya Allah, allow us to become the best fathers and mothers for our children. Ya Allah, forgive our mistakes and shortcomings, ya Allah. I allow us, ya yeah, Allah, to be among the humble, ya yeah, Allah, who serve you on this earth, who serve our families and children in the best way, ya yeah, Allah. Ya yeah, Allah, join us with our families and loved ones in Jannet al-Firdaus, ya Allah, in the companionship of Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu
1: alayhi wa sallam. Allah, wa lana, wa afu anna, wa tawalla amrana, wa ahsin khalasana, wa akhtin bilbaqiyat salihati a'malana. Rabbana, hab lana min azwajina, wa dhuriyatina
0: qurata a'yun, wa jjalna lilmuttakine imama, wa salli lahumma ala sayyidina Muhammad wa وصحبه أجمعين وأقم الصلاة